I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. some agreement over there. Um, and I got to know Matt shortly after he moved up here and he's become a good friend. We think the same way about a lot of things. And so I always like giving him an opportunity to speak. He's become a faithful part of our small groups on Tuesday night. And uh, it's just been fun getting to know him over the last couple years. Now, fun fact, this is also Justin's brother-in-law. So slowly I get all of Justin's family in here at different points So. Um, but Matt, come on up, give him a round of applause. And Sam is his father-in-law, and so Sam, would you be willing to pray for him before he speaks? Thank you so much. Great job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word, to hear from one of your servants. We thank you for what you have done in his life and for how it will produce fruit for us today. May we hear your word, may we joyfully, Father, accept it and ingest it, and may it change us, Lord God, that we might be more like you and share and show, share and show Father, your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, so, hi. So yes, Alex introduced me, I'm Matt. Um, I've lived in Philly for, I guess, a little over a year now. He exaggerated the time a little bit, but that's okay. Um, it feels like it's been two years though. Um, but yeah, like we love Philly. Um, it's crazy coming from the Midwest to the, the giant uh, state of Philadelphia, essentially. It's huge here. But um, we're glad to be here and thanks for being here and hopefully hopefully say something that helps today. It helps not only you, but also helps me. So uh, we're starting a series called Christmas Lights. And as you can see, I'm wearing Christmas lights on my shirt because you know, ugly sweater. I don't even think it's that ugly of a sweater. I feel like it's kind of adorable, you know? I'm, I'm not, I'm not tough, I don't think I'm tough enough to try to do an actual ugly sweater, but anyways. Um, so I figured I would start with a little story about Christmas lights, okay? Um, so there's this guy that I know that really loved Christmas lights, like more than anything, but I think ultimately he loved being festive. Um, he was that guy that went crazy with decorating, not only his house, like the inside, the outside, of course. So he loved it so much that he even dragged his family out to grab like a real tree, like a legit tree. Um, it was a little big, but that's okay. Um, he, he meant well. Um, so anyways, he, he had his family over and it was crazy. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, you guys might also know this guy. Um, he, he had the biggest Christmas light display in all of Chicago. Um, in fact, he actually, like they had to turn on extra power because of the, what his house was doing. And then his crazy brother-in-law came over and then um, ended up kidnapping his boss because he didn't quite get the bonus check that he was expecting and crazy things ensued. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, we all know. Christmas Vacation, the best Christmas movie out there. Fight me if you don't believe me. Um, but yeah, anyways, I just, thought, 
I love that movie so much. And when we talked about Christmas, I was like, I have to try, I have to try bring Christmas Vacation into it somehow. So that was the way I did it. But for real, let's talk about real things, not Clark Griswold and his craziness. So um, the light that we're going to talk about to get this conversation started is the angels visiting the shepherds. Um, so in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, I want to read those real quickly. Uh, we'll talk about it for a little bit, and I'll try not to ramble too much. So, there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified, as you would. The angels said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're going to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left, running, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who had heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had seen and heard. It turned out exactly the way that they had been told. So, there's a lot of things happening in this grouping, this grouping of this, uh, this passage. But I kind of want to focus on one little thing about this story and... Why did God decide to reveal him, reveal his plan about this baby to this group of smelly sheep herders that were living in the fields? Like, why? Like, what's the point of that? Um, I mean, only Mary and Joseph probably actually knew the news that this baby was going to be something special. So, these guys probably heard it even before those um, weird wise men that are going to come, come floating in the next a little bit. You guys will hear about it. I won't go too far there. But um, so, but why shepherds? Shepherds were known for being crooked and shady. Now, this was kind of propagated because there were a few that were probably crooked and shady. And as you know, the few ruined it for the many a lot of times. So they were lumped into the sinners category like the tax collectors. And if anybody knows anything about um, the time and the first century, the tax collectors in the Jewish culture were basically the worst. Because a lot of times they earned their, earned their um, the view that they were getting because they were ripping people off. So these sheep herders, these shepherds, were also lumped into that category. So God decided to show them favor and speak to them first. I feel like that there's some significance to that. They understood the importance of seeing an angel in a field because, you know, angels show up in fields all the time, right? Just lights everywhere. It blows up with light. Yeah, that happens all the time, right? So they understood that there is something special about this message that they received. Jesus was born to a poor, unmarried Jewish girl who was engaged, so she wasn't just a random girl, but they were under Roman rule. So this was a small group of people who had no power. And especially the Jews who had no power, then you get this poor little, little uh, Jewish girl who probably has even less power. Jesus chose a bunch of fishermen to be his disciples. The men who, looked, who took the lead of the early church after the death and resurrection of Christ was a loudmouth promise breaker who didn't seem to think before he spoke or acted for Peter. You guys know anything about Peter. 
seems like God chooses to use the powerless, the not good enoughs, to usher in his kingdom. So why is this important? Anybody that watches the news or has social media, and if you're not on social media, you're better. Justin, smart man. Um, but we see so many bad things happening in this world. I think a lot of times we feel like the world is worse than it was 20 years ago, but in reality, we just know more about it than we ever have. So it makes me realize that the importance of this message is huge now, especially now. So why would God choose the most unlikely people to share about what he was going to do? He could have chosen Jesus to be born of royalty and gotten that message out in a more grand way, you know. But instead he decided to let a poor Jewish girl give birth to the Savior. God really isn't interested in what we humans make important like wealth and power, prestige. God comes in the form of a Jewish baby under Roman rule, under a corrupt power system, the hands of religious leaders. So these religious leaders had basically capitulated to the Roman government so that they could keep their power while still letting Rome do what they did. Jesus speaks truth to power and subverts it. So that's what God's plan was from the beginning. Shows us what God's kingdom will be like and how he wants us to live out our time during our, during our time on earth. God chooses those willing to listen to him first. Makes sense, right? They, it seems that the elite of society, and especially in this time, they don't really have much room for what God is speaking to them because, honestly, they don't need it. They're nice and comfortable with systems currently in place to keep them rich and powerful. Right? I mean, I'm comfortable. It's great. You know, this comes back to me. Heck, I'm not rich and powerful, but I, but I have to be careful not to fall into complacency because it's really easy for me as a person that has a job. My wife has a job. My kids have all the things that they need. We have all the things that we need. It's really easy for me to fall into that trap of, hey, God, when I need you, right? It's really easy for that to happen. And I'm not even a person of power, so I can't imagine what that would be like for somebody that has all the things that they need and plus more. I'm sure it's a lot harder to be connected to God like that. Now, if Jesus was only in the loan forgiveness business, then we'd be set. But you know, until then, until then, uh, I'll keep a line on God, obviously. But these shepherds, this poor couple whose world is going to turn upside down soon with the birth of their son, who just so happens to be also the savior of the world, those who are constantly overlooked or even the outcasts of society would be desperate for this good news. This good news that had been given to these shepherds. God is going to fix this broken world. This is what they're hearing. And he's starting with a little What? It's so weird. Why would he start with this little baby? So look at the response of the shepherds to the news that the angel gives them about this baby in a manger. In verses 15 through 18, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone that the, what the angels had said about the child. All who heard the sheep herders were impressed. They were so excited about this news, so much that they excitedly told everybody that they came across. Once they had seen what, they, what was said to be true, they saw this baby. They told Mary and Joseph, who had also heard from the angels directly, so I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were like, okay, these random shepherds in this field are hearing the same message that we got in those weird visions before, so I'm sure that had to really be like, oh, wow, this is, this is really happening. So after the shepherds left, they kept right on talking about the things they had heard and seen to anyone who would listen. 
They were so excited about this message of good news because it truly was good news to them. As it would have been for those just like the outcasts. It was a message for everyone. So, oh goodness, cool story, bro. But what do we do with all this? I, I had to say that because I thought that was good. <laughs> Why the shepherds? That's the question I want us to think about. The shepherds were chosen because they were the most receptive to the message that God was redeeming the world because it was so important to them. And it was starting with this little baby born in a manger. It wasn't starting from a place of power, but a place of humble beginnings. God was going to use these small things to do big things. We need to remember that we're all human, that we're all made in God's image. We all have that little divine spark inside of us that comes from when we're born. Sometimes it's kind of hard to find under all the hurt and brokenness. Sometimes we see that we forget that people are people and that they have been through things and that that divine spark is in everybody that you see. So I kind of want to wrap this up with the present. You know? Huh? Sorry, I dad jokes with me. My son's taking after me, so I'm a proud dad. Um, <laughs> so I want I wanna apply this to two different groups, okay? Because I feel like it's really easy to take a message like this and be like, oh that's such a cool story. But I think that there's some real ramifications about what this means. That this good news is being preached to these people that are the outcasts, the despised of society. So the two groups I want to speak to real fast, those of us who claim, I want to start with us, who claim Jesus, okay, or try to claim Jesus. We claim Jesus as Savior. This is a, uh, somebody that we believe is the one that's saving humanity and that we try our best with God's help to follow the words that Jesus is telling us. But I think sometimes we forget that message really quickly because we get into the, well, I'm, I'm saved, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, like we sing that little song. Um, but I think that we forget so often that this message is not just for us. Because we've received the message and we're, you know, okay, we're good. But we're not because, like, we need this message to be, we need to be reminded every day, every moment that this is a message for us too. So, instead of looking for something to be against, you know, like a lot of times, like, Christians don't always have a good name, and sometimes that's our fault. Actually, no, all the time it's our fault. You know, like we we try. Sometimes we try so hard to be cool, hip, that we forget that it's not about that. We forget that ultimately it's about showing people the love that Jesus has shown us. That's the most important thing. We can focus on what they're doing wrong or what this group of people or whatever, but in reality, like. Why are we focused on them when we could be worrying about the things going on inside of us, the things that we all struggle with? And, you know, one of the things that I love about what the church is doing is building relationships. That's, well, it's not there right now, it's coming up. But the relationships, not religion part. Like, I, I, there's something about building a relationship that's so key. And in, in, in wanting to get somebody to follow Jesus, you can't get people to follow Jesus by saying you're going to hell. Because it doesn't work try, but you're going to drive them away and they're not going to be receptive to the love, right? They're going to feel a little bit more less than love. So we we build a relationship with people. We help them when we can. We don't offer unsolicited advice. I'm good at that, by the way. I'm really good at saying, hey, you should fix this. 
but in reality, it isn't helpful. You know, if somebody asks for my advice, I will do my best. But the golden rule of treating others how you want to be treated is pretty helpful. Some smart guy said something about that. I don't know who that was. Um, we, are, we aren't the gatekeepers, okay? The gatekeepers are those that decide who's in, who's out. That's not our job. I think sometimes we think that because we follow Jesus that we get to get lumped in with Jesus and we get to do that. But in reality, we're not, we're not the gatekeepers. Um, in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, he also says that he's the gate, meaning that everybody comes through Jesus. So he's the good shepherd, he's the gate, which would ultimately make him the gatekeeper, right? So ultimately, maybe we just love people, build a relationship with them, and let Jesus sort it out later, you know? Like, I think that that's wise, and you don't lose a relationship in the process. So the second group, those who are searching or are interested in this Jesus character, don't miss out on the life Jesus offers just because of us, and that's me, I'm just guilty, who claim Jesus and make him look dumb. I feel like that's such a big deal. And I understand why people are like, eh, I don't know about Jesus, you know? Or there are other people that are like, yeah, Jesus is cool, but churches, eh, they're not very nice. I think that finding a relationship, and now this takes a little bit of work on your part, and I think that, that we're all trying to figure life out, right? We're all on the same journey, we're all trying to figure out, hey, what can I do to make myself better, okay? Um, I think that, you, you know, if you're really interested in Jesus, talk to somebody that you trust. <coughs> Alex, <coughs> um, if you, <laughs> Darby, talk to those people that you trust, because I think that that's a big deal, and they can give you, hopefully, a good idea of what it means to actually follow Jesus and not the extra junk that we've added on top of it. I, th I think that reading the Gospels is a really easy way to do it. Like, yeah, it takes, some of, not everybody likes to read. I like to read when I feel like it hilarious because I don't usually feel like it. <laughs> I should, but I don't. But reading the Gospels, because I think that those first four books of the New Testament give us a great idea of what Jesus is really like. And it's it's really hard because we we, we, we have a lens on it. So when we read, we have a lens over how we see Jesus. But thinking about, yeah, I might see Jesus this way, but what is this book really saying? Like, what is this story really telling me about who Jesus really is? So finish the four Gospels and then do it again. Because I think that it's really easy to get like, well, I'll just go to the rest, you know, I'll do the rest. But I think that focusing on the Gospels will give you a really good idea, an amazing idea of what Jesus is really like. Um, and believe it or not, I have some of the same hang-ups about church that probably a lot of people do. Just because I worked in a church for a long time, um, was a huge pastor, which that's a whole thing. It was so much fun, but it's, you know, it's craziness. Um, and, and, and you see the hurt, and, and you just know that sometimes church is, is hurtful to people, and that makes me sad. And, but ultimately, what I believe is that Jesus' way is the best way. I think that's the one thing that has kept me around. You know, a lot of people will be like, God, just throw it all out. Ah, church screwed me over, ah, I don't need Jesus either. But that isn't the approach that I've taken, and thankfully, thankfully, Jesus hasn't abandoned me. I think that's been the biggest thing is, you know, even moving here was a freaking miracle in and of itself. You know, we, we moved to St. Louis to help start a church plant, and that went, it fell 
fell apart. Didn't work out. We lost a lot of money trying to sell our, our house where we moved from. Um, but when we decided to move out here because of the job opportunity for my wife, um, somehow our house sold the first day. Whereas before we moved to St. Louis from Southwest Missouri, which Missouri's fun. I love Missouri. But we moved to St. Louis to start this thing and we lost a ton of money on our house. Paying rent and also paying for a mortgage on the house that was just basically rotting and not selling. And then we ended up losing money on the house itself. But when we moved to Philadelphia, the house that we sold in St. Louis actually paid us money. We got all that money back. Thanks. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, Jesus is the slot machine, but I do believe that he was had, my, had our back in that moment. And this was the right decision, you know, moving out here. So Jesus didn't abandon me, even whenever I was like, eh, I don't know. You know, there are times I definitely felt um, like where we're at, God. But to wrap, finally wrap this up for real this time. This season is about remembering that there is a God who would come to Earth, right smack in the middle of our mess, so that Jesus could show us what love God's kingdom was like, to show us how we are to live. That this message of love, forgiveness, compassion, and reconciliation is for everyone. He's going to start with some smelly shepherds in a field. I'm a child laughing at things like that. He's going to start with some smelly shepherds in a field, and they're going to be the first to witness this little king in a manger. And that's what this Christmas season is all about. It's not about the presents, which my kids think so, but it's about this message that Jesus loves us so much that he's going to come in this smelly manger with these smelly shepherds and all these weird people around him, and he's going to grow up, and he's going to live a life that he wants us to live and show us exactly what that looks like. And at some point, he's going to die. I'm, you know, a death that he shouldn't have had to die, but he did anyway. And all in an effort to show us that he's in it with us. He's not going anywhere. And one of my favorite stories is, or the short little stories is when um, God reveals himself, I think it's Joseph or Mary. I can't remember. It's in Matthew. But he says that, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think that for me is such a good reminder of what the season is about. God is with us. Even when things are rough, even when we're having bummer days, those happen. And even when this world seems like it's out of control, God's there with us in the midst of all that. So 